What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. Wow, this week has flown by. And you know what? It's been some pretty good albums this week. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right at the top of the program. What about you, what about you Amy? Have you had a pretty good week? <laughs> Spoilers, I'm saving mine for my reviews. But yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Yeah, uh, other than the weather being just gross outside, I don't know where everyone else is at, but up here in beautiful South Bend, home of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, I have to say that. Oh, everyone's obsessed up here. But uh, what about you down in Central City, home of the uh, Everly Brothers? <laughs> uh, weather has been all over the place. Uh, Everly Brothers are dead, so I can't really say anything about them. <laughs> we don't have one of their albums to review this week. But we have reviewed the Everly Brothers album, and you know we've been to their concert, so... But that's neither here nor there. Oh, yes. <laughs> we are not here to talk about Everly Brothers. We're not here to talk about the weather. And you know what? We did have one death this week. It has been a, uh, I guess I should say it's been a better week. <laughs> but there, there was only one person that passed away this past week that I could find that was involved with music. And, of course, obviously, people pass away every day. So here I am bumping the microphone like a... Uh, I'm so unprofessional. But the only death that I that no. I found, January 17th of you know, this year, Van Connor passed away. He was the bassist and the co-founder of the Screaming Trees, and he was 55. So, you know, not music, and well, not music that we're reviewing on this podcast, but I've listened to plenty of the Screaming Trees songs. So, but. Well, and of course, David Crosby. Oh, yeah. I I didn't I, I forgot about that. It just it just it just happened, right though. Yeah, it did. That's a very recent one. So. Yeah. So. But, but I was I was. Sad. But he is one that we reviewed. Yeah, we have reviewed plenty of David Crosby stuff. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I haven't been really. <laughs> it's a bad way to put it, I guess, when someone just passed away. But uh, I haven't really been that disappointed with David Crosby stuff, like I have been with some of these other artists that may them you know like <laughs> i don't want to kick dirt on him too much but like johnny cash like i said before i thought johnny cash was better than what i've experienced going into the end of this podcast except for like you know what last week but anyway it's been uh it's been a pretty good week and um like i said at the start sp spoiler alert we did have some really good albums this week so I um I'm just gonna get right into it. The first album is from an artist that we've already reviewed, or did we review the band? Yes. Um, I don't remember if we reviewed Yes, but we reviewed the Strobs, and he was on one of their songs that we reviewed, I believe. If I remember correctly, well, I wasn't talking about the Strobs. I was gonna mention them too. Gosh. <laughs> well, hey, you shouldn't ask me questions if you don't want to know the answer. Well, um, the Straubs actually was my first, like, uh, the, like my first solo album this year was the Straubs. But I think uh, Rick Wakeman was already, he was already gone from them by then. But yeah, uh, Rick Wakeman, <laughs> I've already said it, 
and he was he had his career with uh, started with the Straubs or Straubs. I keep we keep saying these Straubs, but I believe it's just Straubs. <laughs> Straubs. Yep, that's what I'm doing. It. I'm doing it on purpose because someone who sh- shall remain nameless said you have more of a country accent in these southern. So I'm trying to say Straubs and try to throw a little in for you, Gary. But um, <laughs> hey. I can't help it. It's the straps, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the band. Yes, I am a huge fan. You know, everyone that's listened to this podcast has heard how much I love prog. I love prog rock. I just like progressive because the time changes are interesting to me. And yes, at times, bands can get a little. I don't know what how you would how you would term it wordy with their <laughs> with their instruments. They can jam a little too much, maybe for a little long winded. Yeah, I, I mean, but they're just it just means a lot of times that artist is really into it and they're having a good time. And so that for me, I can kind of put myself in the middle of that and experience it as well. So that's why I like Prague a lot of times. I can just lose myself in the music, and I understand some people have problems with music that doesn't have lyrics. So, yeah, that's why a lot of people don't like classical as much or jazz or, or instrumental type type of things. I, I don't have that problem. Maybe a little bit with jazz at times, but that's not even an issue this week as far as jazz goes. But Rick Wakeman is, was the keyboardist for Yes, and he doesn't sing. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That's why I talked about lyrics from the start. This first album, Rick Wakeman, The Six Wives of Henry VIII. It was released, what, January the 23rd of 1973? Yes. And, like I said, he he doesn't sing. Rick Wakeman was frustrated because while touring with Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, the band Straubs as well, he had some melodies that he had just saved because he... Wanted to put lyrics on it, but it just didn't feel right uh, with those bands. But everything on here sounds like like basically another Yes album without lyrics at times. Um, I would say at times, this is high praise because you know how much I like this band. I would say Rick Wakeman's keyboard and piano skills are equaling that of Keith Emerson on this album. It's just really nice. The way he uh <laughs> the way he tickles the keys. He he just he he has really uh really agile hands. He can just flow across. And from what I can tell, this album really spawned the way for progressive, obviously, because Rick Wakeman, yes, you know, they're they're used to the progressive thing. But uh the synthesizer and the keyboard as a main instrument in a progressive way like this from what that's that's just from what i read whether that's true or not i i haven't heard a whole lot other than you know say emerson lincoln palmer some of their things when they don't have have lyrics in them at times i can say i can say maybe that but it does evoke it for me it evoked feelings of that and the title the six wives of henry the eighth well i think rick wakeman is reading I was reading a book or two. I can't remember the name of that book. I, I saw it, but I, I don't remember. But it was talking about the different wives of Henry VIII and, you know, the events around their life and at times death. 
because Henry the Eighth, uh, you know, not exactly the greatest, <laughs> greatest of individuals. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. I, I don't, I don't want to get political, and I don't know history as well as you do because I'm not a history major, and I fell asleep in history most of the time. I like music history, but I don't like European history, and I especially don't really care for you know U.S. history. It's just that never really stuck with me, other than music history, which is why we're here. <laughs> But well, let's just say he killed a couple of wives. He created an entirely new church so he could get a divorce from his wives. You know, he was an interesting guy, Henry VIII. <laughs> and there originally actually was a track for Henry included, but it wouldn't fit on the album for time constraints. So he had to cut that out. And I don't know if that's available. I haven't even looked yet. I haven't found it anywhere, but I did read that Henry does have his own track. So I haven't found that yet. I haven't went and looked, but if it's anything like most of these songs, I'm not really going to pick out uh, like the songs individually so much. I will t- will say this. From what I can tell, they're not in order from from the wives. Like Like the first wife would be the first song, you know, all the way to the sixth wife. It's not like that because I did at least look at look for that just to see, and that's not the case. Now, I will point out I think probably my favorite song on this album was Anne Boleyn, was the 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 title like the track like dedicated to Anne Boleyn. That thing jams. There's one part in the middle of it where he has I guess it's synthesizer, but uh, I don't know. It's just a jam right in the middle of it and it just goes and it's 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 a little bit. Like there are, there are points on this album. It'll be like really beautiful piano. It's probably keyboard. It might be keyboard, but it's just you know really pretty. And then he'll burst in with a crazy you know synthesizer. It's a, what is a there's a Moog synthesizer. I think that he used like two or three different synthesizers and a an organ, a church organ, I believe, for part of this and. There's there are background singers. I don't have any notes in front of me right now. I just thought I would speak about this album from my heart because, you know, I don't know enough about the history to even pretend. You know, I I know <laughs> I know there are some dark dark you know like things that Henry VIII did do, but I'm trying not to focus. I want to just focus more on the music itself, and really, this was beautiful at times, and I like. How interesting, how, like, when he would burst in with the, like, the different synthesizer sounds, and it was just enough to be interesting. And really, there, there's not really a track I felt that was weak. I don't know how to really term it like that, because they're all interesting. It's just a really interesting lesson. Listen, I, I highly recommend everyone at least check this out once, even if music without lyrics just really isn't your thing. Because, uh, I don't know, I just feel like it, it. some of these things will catch, just the, like the melodies will catch in your in your mind and your, your maybe your heart. It may, I don't know. But I, I really did, I really did like it. And uh, I, I'm just going to quit gushing about it. I'm a, I'm a big Rick Wakeman fan so far. I'm anxious to see what else he comes up with. And the, the funny thing, when you go to Spotify, Rick Wakeman has a Christmas album. And that's about what you find. That's every, <laughs> like the top five songs for Rick Wakeman are all Christmas songs. So I don't know how I feel about that. 
and they, they came out later. So I don't know if that's good or bad for us. But this album, I felt, was a definite hit. I'm not going to give my star rating yet. I'm going to turn it over to you. Maybe you can throw a little bit in history-wise. I don't know. I don't know how it, how each song, you know, like would pertain to this particular, you know, this particular lady. So I, I, don't, I really don't know how that factored in, but I liked it. I'll just say that. But I'm going to turn it over to you and see what you thought about it. First of all, I will say, you know, I'm one of those people that you were talking about. I do sometimes struggle without lyrics because I am so vocally oriented. But I do like instrumental stuff sometimes, too. I don't let that entirely affect my enjoyment. We did have a lot of instrumental stuff this week, though, so... (laughs) strap in guys if you are like me it might be a little bit of a rough week but it's not that bad I promise I've already listened to all of it so I could tell that this was a yes artist when I was listening to it I mean I already knew I knew who Rick Wakeman was and I like yes you know I do sometimes struggle with some prog rock, but Yes is really good at prog rock. I like Yes. And I could hear similarities in this album and the the stuff that Yes did. So I could definitely, I mean, I guess I hear his influence on Yes, I guess is the proper way to say that, since this is his album. But it did have some of the other members of Yes working with him on this. I did notice that. As for the history, I don't really know what possessed him to name these tracks after the wives of Henry VIII either. Like, I understand he was interested in them, but I'm not sure exactly what about the music is supposed to evoke Anne Boleyn or Catherine Howard or whatever, except for one of them, Jane Seymour. That song was a little creepy sounding. It kind of had that haunted house organ sound. She died naturally. So I can kind of see that. She's the only one that that didn't survive Henry VIII and that he didn't kill. (laughs) He divorced two wives. He beheaded one. He executed one. You know, Jane Seymour just died, and then his last wife, actually, um, she lived. She outlived him. <laughs> you know why he wanted to try to divorce his wives? What, the main reason? Uh, because he wanted a son. <laughs> he couldn't consummate the marriage, and he blamed, he blamed the fact that he couldn't perform that his wife must not be attractive. That's what it was. Yeah. He blamed it on them. <laughs> what an idiot. Sorry. That, that's all. I thought <laughs> no, that was, was I thought that was pretty funny. I actually when I was reading about the uh you know, the different wives of Henry the Eighth, when I did my little bit of cursory hist- historical study. It it's always like that, right? Yeah. Disgruntled little man. He <laughs> He beheaded Anne Boleyn because after she got pregnant, when he she gave birth it was a girl and not a boy. And may not have been Henry's, but that's another topic altogether. We'll we'll not even talk about that. <laughs> it wasn't 
the boy that he wanted, so she died. Anyway, back to the music. Like I said, Jane Seymour had a little bit of that organ noise like you would hear in a, a horror movie from like the 60s or whatever. Or modern days, some of them have that. Catherine Howard is the only other song I wrote down something specific about. It reminded me of something else, just one specific part of the synthesizer in that song. It took me a while to figure out what it was making me think of, and then I finally figured it out. It has absolutely nothing to do with England or Henry VIII. It reminded me of the Rockford Files theme. So, I don't know what that has to do with Catherine Howard, but whatever. <laughs> I really don't have a whole lot else to say about the album. It wasn't bad. I didn't like it quite as much as you. Um, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't quite strong enough to hold my entire focus, so it, it kind of was the background music for me. Like, I felt like Rick Wakeman could do a little better than this. I mean, I know he can. I've heard it with Yes. But I didn't dislike it in any way. I don't want this to come across as a bad review. It just didn't grab me as much as it did you. So I'll go ahead and give my stars. I gave it three. I know that's, that's lower than yours. But it is an absolutely fine album. It just wasn't exciting to me. Oh, so harsh. Always. This isn't one of those weeks. This isn't one of those weeks. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not being harsh. I said it's good. <laughs> I don't know how your solo album is, but uh, I don't know. I don't have any anything that's uh, really even average this week. This, uh, for me, was a little bit better than three. And the production on it was stellar. I don't know if it's because I'm listening to probably an updated version of it. I do know a, a quadraphonic sound did come out later and i'm actually interested in that i think that would be pretty cool to check that out because the synthesizer stuff maybe coming at you from a like a different direction i think that would be pretty cool this this does lend itself well to some surround sound but i just listened to it in you know little speakers in the car so i guess i kind of did have it surround sound but for me this is actually more a four star album so i gave it four but uh yeah, a little bit better than three. <laughs> but um, That's why there's two of us. But We don't always agree. Yeah, I know. Even when you're here to be wrong, I'm here to rein you in, to bring you to the right side of history. <laughs> and vice versa. And Bo a Amy Bolin. Here we go. But, uh, <laughs> Are you threatening me? Are you going to cut my head off? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Dang. You, don't you take your music uh, seriously. If you don't stop giving these low-ass <laughs> ratings. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um, you know. Give it time. <laughs> but I think the next album that we have is something that I only listened to a little bit. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even prepare this week to talk about it. I guess I'm just going to turn it over to you because, you know, this is your album. <laughs> That's right. You didn't have to listen to this one. This is my Amy's All Alone, except I'm not alone, so this is my album analysis. <laughs> oh, that's a work in progress. Amy's always anal. <laughs> Amy's always accurate. How about that? <laughs> anyway, enough arguing, sibling rivalry, you know. 
My album is McCoy Tyner. The album is titled Extensions. It came out sometime in January. It's another one of those where we don't have the exact date. It is a jazz album. So, like he said, jazz is tough for him sometimes, and sometimes it is for me. But sometimes I also really enjoy jazz. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, McCoy Tyner is a guy's name, by the way. Uh, he's the band leader. And yet, when the album started, the first thing that I noticed was harp, which is not his instrument. He is a piano player. But the harp was pretty prominent on this. Um, apparently, that harp was Alice Coltrane, who I think we, or maybe you, reviewed earlier. I know she had had some stuff earlier. I, I, th- I don't I think remember so. listening to it myself. Yeah, I, I think I did have. Maybe that was on in, um, like an off-the-record or something, I think. I did have maybe an Alice Coltrane. I, I can't remember, but I do remember that name because I confused it with John yeah. Coltrane. Well, she was married. You know, him, so. yeah, but I was like, hmm, not not as good as John. <sighs> yeah. She's pretty good on harp, though. I've got to give her credit. I don't know what she played on that previous album that you listened to, because, like I said, I don't remember listening to it, but she's a pretty good harpist. But there were also some prominent chimes, maybe even tambourine, I couldn't really tell, and it wasn't listed in the personnel, so I'm not sure, but it it was chimey sounding in the background. Like I said, this is jazz, and it is instrumental, so when I said we had a lot of instrumental stuff this week, that's what I was referring to, but these are very talented and acclaimed jazz musicians. Most of them did play with either John Coltrane or Miles Davis. Um, like I said, McCoy Tyner is a piano player, but you also have two saxophone players, Gary Bartz and Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter on stand-up bass or double bass, drummer Elvin Jones, and Alice Coltrane played on three of the four tracks, harp on all of those. She played on everything except for track two, The Wanderer. It sounded like... <laughs> okay, this may sound funny. It may sound a little weird. Won't be the first time I've been called weird. You know, after all, I take after my brother. You are pretty but... weird. <laughs> like I said, I take after you. Okay. <laughs> I revel in my weirdness. It's okay. <laughs> But this kind of music reminds me of stories of children growing up in the city in the 70s and 80s. Like, not really even TV or movies. It reminds me of written stories. Like, stuff that would have been in our school English and reading textbooks. I can't explain it, except it it just made me think of some of those stories we read it it really evokes that time and place to me the same way that some of those stories did stories that were sort of biographical and were set um while the author was growing up in say new york in the 70s or the early 80s it's almost a sort of nostalgia type of feeling for me 
Which is extra weird because I have never been a child in a city. I've never lived in a city at all. Yet. Not in this lifetime anyway. <laughs> but I seem to have some sort of spiritual, soul-deep connection to that kind of life. Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. But what I'm really trying to say is I did connect to this music. Even if it was in an odd, not really obvious way. So that was really nice about it. Now, for the not-so-great part, the tracks are long. You know, I mean, there's only four of them. So you have a couple of 12 to 13 minute songs, a couple of 7 to 8 minute songs, and that's it. You know, there's four songs, two per side. <laughs> so long instrumental tracks. And additionally, they sounded very similar to me. You know, at least the first two. Like I said, they are instrumental, and I know that's part of the reason, because I am so vocal-oriented. But, it, like I said with Rick Wakeman, I don't dislike instrumental stuff in general. And I'm not saying I dislike these. It just felt like one very, very, very long track. And it was a little bit hard to keep my focus for 20 minutes of side A, since it didn't change all that much. So... That was a little bit of a negative. I'm not going to go into too much depth about the individual songs. The first one, Message from the Nile, was my favorite. Even though it was one of the longer ones, and again, kind of bled into track two. But it had the strongest nostalgia vibe for me, and I really enjoyed listening to that one. On side B, track three, Survival Blues, was my least favorite. It had some bells and some vaguely discordant piano sounds that they weren't terrible, but they were a little bit off-putting to me, so I didn't enjoy that one as much. Before I get my score, I did also want to mention and give the musicians credit. I did say that they were very talented and acclaimed players, and they are. Most of them have won multiple awards. Almost all of them. You know, except for Alice Coltrane and Gary Bartz have been honored as Jazz Masters by the National Endowment for the Arts. They were all named on that list between 1998 and 2003. And that's a pretty high standard. There's only 173 people on that list, which has existed for over 40 years. So for four of the six musicians to be on it, that's, that says a lot. It's not my favorite album ever. It's just not the music that I typically gravitate to. I am a vocally oriented person, and while I do really enjoy some jazz, I typically get more into, like, Dizzy Gillespie and Louis Armstrong, those kind of styles. Maybe some Thelonious Monk every now and then. You know, Dixieland, of course, knowing my love for New Orleans, but swing and bebop, that kind of stuff is more my style. This is described as post-bop. And it's just not really my thing normally. But it wasn't bad. In fact, I would say it was mostly good, except for the couple of issues that I've already mentioned. So I actually gave this one three and a half stars. Yeah, that's right. It scored higher than Rick Wakeman. Sorry. I didn't feel like it quite met the four-star threshold, but it was pretty good. Especially if you're a big fan of jazz, then I would really recommend you check this one out. 
if you're not sure how you feel about jazz or you're not that familiar with it, I would still say give this one a try. Just maybe don't plan to sit down and listen to all of it at once, especially if you don't like long tracks. You know, or maybe try it as background music or something, you know, if you're not sure you want to fully commit. But I do recommend it for most people. Um, unless you just really hate all jazz, of course. But otherwise, it's worth a listen. Oh my god, talk about long-winded. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> you're going to talk even longer about yours, probably. Oh, that's what I meant. I meant coming up, I'm getting ready to talk about an amazing album, but... uh <laughs> no, I I did I oh. I listened to a little bit of that McCoy Tyner. Um, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't what I thought, but the name McCoy Tyner, honestly, I thought it was country. That was my, my pre you know my pre preconceived notion going into it was that for some reason the name McCoy it just sound like the real McCoys or I don't know. But then I uh, I pulled it up on Spotify. <laughs> Neil McCoy. <laughs> I don't know. I just pulled it up on Spotify. I'm like, okay, yay, more jazz. And I, we had already had Rick Wakeman, and I had my artist that we're that I'm going to talk about coming up. That's another jazz album, so maybe that's what hit me. I couldn't I couldn't make it all the way through yours, but it wasn't bad. It just jazz is typically isn't my thing either. But I can see the three and a half. It was it was good, but uh, I'm really glad though. The next album we both got to listen to isn't jazz. <laughs> Because, oh. We, it is definitely not jazz. Even I needed some lyrics. I needed some somebody singing a little bit to liven it up. And you know what? This album, it is probably the definition of liven it up. It's a band that, you know, I've heard of this band in name only, honestly. I mean, Maybe I'm familiar with one song, but I'd never really delved into any of their albums, like their catalog. And uh, the band I'm talking about, this is Little Feet. And the album is Dixie Chicken. This album came out January 25th of 1973. And, you know, earlier I didn't mention the, uh, when we were talking about the Rick Wakeman album, I didn't bring up the personnel because, I mean, it basically was the members of Straubs and the members of Yes at that time. I mean, there's really no one else other than Rick Wakeman. And it's his album. But I am going to run through the personnel real fast because I was surprised about the vocalist on this album because he's been involved with a couple uh projects i will say, we will say that i didn't love <laughs> i didn't love them but um that that artist actually uh is amazing on this album but i'm gonna i'm gonna run through it and um i think this is their third album so i, I really want to go back and listen to the previous two, I haven't made it yet because, uh, you know, time. <laughs> time and all these albums. But I haven't listened to them. You know, <laughs> I have to interject here because according to our spreadsheet, we reviewed one of their albums in 1971. I have no memory of this. Yeah, see, I don't remember it. I don't remember it at all. It, how, what year, what, what part <laughs> of the year was it? It was early on. Oh, so maybe we did. See, seventy one was a was a weird time. Well, twenty twenty one. This is the middle of COVID and all this stuff, guys. So, but I I just I didn't I don't I don't recall any of their stuff, and it, maybe it just didn't hit with me. Well, I do know with this album 
they did beef up the personnel a little bit, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why this album is so much stronger because uh, the first two artists I'm going to mention as personnel were actually, it's their first album with the group. You have Paul, and I'm probably going to butcher this, it's Barrere, B-A-R-R-E-R-E, Barrere, <laughs> Barbare, I don't know. Uh, Sam, and he plays guitar and, and he has some vocals. Then you have Sam Clayton on Congas. This is his first album with the group. Then you have the people, the guy I was get talking about earlier, Lowell George, and um, he's the vocalist. He plays guitar, cowbell, flute. He was also involved in the past with Mothers of Invention and what's his name? Dr. John. <laughs> so not something that something that you like more than I do as far as Dr. John. But Mothers of Invention, neither one of us have loved. I like, sometimes I like that stuff. But Mothers of Invention it hasn't hit with me honestly as hard as some of the Frank Zappa solo stuff is better for me, to me than the Mothers of Invention. But um, <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about Mothers of Invention. But Lowell George on vocals, guitar, cowbell, and flute. You have Kenny Gradney on bass. And actually, this is his first album with the group as well. And you have Richie Hayward on drums and vocals. I guess everybody has a hand in vocals. I didn't really realize it listening to this. I mean, everyone does seem to be doing backing vocals, though. But you also have Bill Payne on keyboard, synthesizers, and vocals. And I remember Bill Payne because um, when we were first, he's involved with something else because he does Barrel House. I said something else, something else that we reviewed because he isn't um, a pianist that... Pianist? Uh, but... um. <laughs> it's been a long day he's a pianist that has uh, like a really strong barrel house blues style and i had to go uh, when i started reading what barrel house is and i had to oh uh, i don't want to even get into it here but i had to find out what barrel house blues was and it's that bar house like you'll hear it down like a lot of your dixie your southern rock your bar bands if they have a, a, a pianist in their their group it's similar to that. It's good. It's what it is. It's just rocking piano. It gets you up and dancing and stuff like that. To, to get everyone in a good mood to drink. That's really what it is. But this album is great. <laughs> just right off the, the top, I'm going to say it. I, I'm sure this one probably hit with you pretty strongly because you are a fan of all things like, uh, you know, like uh, Louisiana stuff. And I think this is the part here. Maybe this is why we didn't like the first, that Little Feet album from 71. Because with this album, I think they're going more toward this Southern rock, Dixie style. Because these guys really aren't from, aren't from the South, right? from what I can tell. They're more from California. And we usually don't like that. Like, I, I know I don't. I hate when it's like a, a country album with someone from California trying to manufacture twang. I think we've uh, mentioned that before. <laughs> but um, Maybe a time or two. Yeah, that, that's like the biggest complaint I think we've had, honestly, about some of the country. Is, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm not going to go through the additional personnel on this album. I mean, you may have, like, backing vocals. There's a lot of people. 
But there, the Wikipedia page has a huge list of people. I will say, Bonnie Raitt is on backing vocals. I thought that was pretty cool. But other other than that, I mean, they're all good artists. It's just not, you know, I don't want to like make everyone sit here when you can go and just check it out if you want to. But I can't remember if we've even said who it is yet. Yeah, Little Feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. It's Dixie Chicken. Um, the, the title track was a single Dixie chicken. And I think the B side to it was Lafayette railroad, which is the last uh, song on side two. It's just an instrumental, not a, not a strong choice for, for the side two, because there are definitely better songs on this album. There is a cover. I think at least one, it's a Alan Toussaint song and that's uh, on your way down and this is just uh, well I think there was another single but I don't know if it was released as a single like as a record and it's fat man in the bathtub and that one's just on the record on the radio and I think I've heard I had heard that one before Juanita <laughs> but I, I think I, I was already familiar that one that one did sound familiar to me like maybe I'd heard it before but, or maybe it's just similar to the songs in that style. But I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, there's really not a, a song on this album that I thought was weak. I, I actually enjoyed it tremendously. But I'm not going to give my star rating. I don't want to talk ad nauseum about it. I think it's a little short. I think it's, it's only like 36 minutes. Which actually I guess is pretty decent. But we've had so many double albums and things lately. And all this jazz. That maybe that's what made it feel short to me. But it, this album flows through pretty quickly. If you just put it on and listen to it, it's just enjoyable. I think it's pretty well balanced. So I did, I did like it. But um, I don't have anything other than just sounding stupid to, to add to it. But I'm going to turn it over to you. What do you think about this? I was a little bit surprised because like when I started off... Okay, first of all, I did know of Little Feet, but I mostly knew of the band because I know some people who are really big fans. So I wasn't going into it totally blind, but I didn't really entirely know what to expect either. And then I saw that they had an album in 71, so I pulled up our spreadsheet and I just looked at it again. It was the fourth episode of the year. It was the main show, so we both listened to it. Very early on in January of 2021, we gave it a three-star rating, by the way. No recollection of this at all. None whatsoever. So, I might not have been going in totally blind, but I was still... I had no clue, really, what to expect. I did pick up on, like you said, more of the Southern Rock, New Orleans R&B, and Funk. Um... And afterwards, I read that the album leaned more in that direction. So that was intentional, and we both did pick up on it, especially with the title track. That one reminded me a little bit of, like, the Leon Russell sound with maybe a little hint of Dr. John. Not that Leon Russell is a New Orleans artist or even particularly associated with New Orleans, but he does have that southern sound. He always just kind of sounds swampy to me. Of course, Dr. John is all New Orleans. I didn't look up where the guys are from. I was going to ask if you did, because I didn't know. I've always kind of mentally put Little Feet in the same category as the band. 
I'm not sure why. Um, that may not make sense to anybody else, but in my head, I've connected those two. And I can, I can kind of hear that. Like, they were Canadian, but Levon Helm was Arkansas. They had a little bit of the country folk sound while still being rock. Anyway, as far as the songs, I already mentioned the title track, Dixie Chicken, which was the one that I had heard of the most before this. I've wrote down that it's sort of brash and in-your-face, especially the chorus, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that it's fun, playful, upbeat country rock. Kind of like a a party that's starting to get loud as people are getting wound up. It's one of those sing-along type of songs. Starts off slow, but it builds. By the chorus, everybody's singing along and having fun. It definitely had some good things about it. It could be a little bit busy at time, and I think the instruments were just a little bit too loud for me on the version that I was listening to, so it got a little muddy. Like, the volume was a little bit too loud on some, but not all of the songs on the record, so that was a little bit of an issue, but the vocals weren't too loud, just the music, just a little bit. And I am an introvert, and loud parties and stuff like that can be overwhelming, so... The song was a little bit overwhelming at times, too, but not bad. It was fun. I just maybe needed for it to be toned down just like one notch in the choruses, but I could definitely understand why that song is popular, (laughs) especially live. I think that one would be a really fun one in a live environment. I also wanted to mention the piano in that song. That was great. You know, I love that piano. It's funny that you mentioned that On Your Way Down is a cover of an Alan Toussaint song. I didn't even pick up on that, but it was the best song on the album for me. (laughs) And now I understand why. That's a New Orleans artist. (laughs) I didn't realize that. I just really enjoyed it. It was really bluesy. Um, Not gravelly and rough like a lot of old school blues artists though his voice was really smooth and pretty but he still had that soulfulness so I really enjoyed that one guitar was good too just a hint of piano to cap it off I just I really felt that song that's what I call one of my headphone songs you just put on the headphones and let it seep into you it's that kind of song I didn't like kiss it off that one There were moments where it sounded really good, but then it was followed up with something that was kind of sour to me. Like, the very end of the chorus was absolutely incredible, but then the beginning of the next verse would be just, it just kind of made me cringe a little. I don't know. It frustrated me. Um, I did feel like the album was a little inconsistent. I didn't dislike it. I don't want to give it the impression that I'm giving a bad review. I'm not. But it did feel a little inconsistent to me. So maybe we listened to different versions or something. Because you said you thought it really flowed. So that would explain you know, if we got different versions of it. And that also sort of... you know, It illustrates how people can have a different experience based on what version they get. Because for me, it didn't seem to have like a clear style or goal. It was kind of all over the place. 
and just when I started thinking, okay, this is kind of, eh. then there was a really great song, um, kept me on my toes, but like I said, I don't think it was bad at all. I still enjoyed it. I don't think it was quite as good as it could have been. I felt like my version needed to be cleaned up a little bit, just needed a little more work to produce something great, but I did enjoy it. On Your Way Down was great. That one was the highlight. So, my stars, I'll go ahead and give them. I gave this one three and a half as well. It did bring a lot of fun. Even though there were some moments that still needed some work, and maybe I'll need to to look for a different version so I could get the same experience as you, it was still worth a listen. Three and a half stars. Well, I, <clears throat> I wavered back and forth because, you know, you normally have the production bumped for a half star. And a lot of times I'll take it away. But for this style of music, a lot of times things will get muddy. I treated this album as if I was just at a bar and Little Feet was performing, you know, maybe like a small venue. And Little Feet's just performing for everyone. So they're going to give you like a song like Dixie Chicken. And then they might bring it down a little bit and give you something a little more soulful to to bring the energy. Because you can't have energy high up. I mean, for this kind of music, typically you won't. You can't have the, the, the energy like, ah, so hype all the time. So for me, that was okay. The ebbs and flows. Because I treated it as if it was just Little Feet performing this album. For everyone because it has that that sound it doesn't sound clean at times not want to say like a garage band sometimes we'll have things will be a little bit not great but i, I guess i do think they have the bar bands so i guess maybe I for funny. me that's a little why i'm a little more forgiving of it so i went ahead and left the half star on it which is good because i feel like this is a four star album anyway and because you gave it a three and a half and i gave it a four and a half it's going to wind up being a four-star anyway. So hopefully you'll be uh, able to get a good, clean copy. Because I think you'll like it. And it's according to how you listen to it. If you listen to it in headphones, maybe it's a little muddy. But if you're listening to it out, where the sound is projected out and around, it's a little better. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you listen to it. I listened to it in the car, and it was awesome. Sounds great. So it's And it's a fun album to drive to. Especially like Fat Man in the Bathtub and... Stuff like that. <laughs> it's just fun. And I like the humor. A lot of times the the, the, the lyrics were uh, just fun. And you can tell, and maybe that's why I like this album so much better and the, that one from 71, don't even remember it. It's because they didn't really have as much fun. Maybe this one hit. If I think this, if you're looking for a little feat, to, maybe to be introduced to them, if you're not trying to do like a greatest hits, this might be the one to start. I don't know. Because I wouldn't, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't listen to the one from. I don't know about their first album, the debut <laughs> album, but the one from '71 or whatever. Don't. So, <laughs> but oh, it wasn't memorable at all, and we didn't give it a great score. We didn't give it a bad score, but not a great one. So yeah, skip that one. Go on to Dixie Chicken. And uh, all right, well, I don't think you listened to the next album that we're getting we're getting ready to talk about because I'm getting ready to talk about it because. I get to be long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Kick back, everybody. Yeah, get ready. Strap in. I'm kidding. No, actually, I don't really have a lot to talk about uh, as far as this album is concerned. Like you said before, 
jazz isn't typically my thing. I do like jazz. I don't hate it or anything like that. There's good jazz. There's bad jazz. There's just indifferent for me jazz, you know, stuff I'm just indifferent to. Um, For me, a lot of times, and I like busy music, a lot of times, though, jazz can get just so busy. It's just too much going on. It just gets, it brings my anxiety out. I just don't like it at times. What What's weird about this jazz album, I haven't named it yet, is there are there is an artist that actually provides vocals. So this is a jazz album with vocals, which is good and bad. <laughs> Get that out of the way. Don't have an actual day for the release on this. All I have is January of 73. This is Chick Corea and Return to Forever. Light as a Feather. Never heard of Return to Forever, but obviously we've heard of Chick Corea. He's amazing. Um, he's nothing less than amazing on this album as well. He plays a... I think he's typically plays the same instrument. On this album, he plays a Fender Rhodes electric piano. And I think that's what he's famous for. But uh, don't quote me there. I just know he does play electric like keyboard and... He's another one of those uh, those pianists that has adept fingers, and he's really agile on the keys. It's nice. Uh, I can't complain about anything Chick Corea does on this album. It's excellent. Uh, I'm going to run through it real fast because the personnel is not that large, and which is actually kind of odd for a jazz album because a lot of times the jazz albums we've reviewed have had like a huge list of people. You know, There'd be like 20 different artists on there. This one's not. It's pretty simple. Like I said, you have Chick Corea on playing Fender Rhodes electric piano, Stanley Clark on double bass, uh, F- Flora Purim is your vocals. I'm I'm, and I'm pretty sure uh, all these like Stanley Clark and Flora, and Joe Farrell on flute, soprano saxophone, tenor saxophone, and then finally um, Arto Morera on drums and percussion. I probably just pronounced his his name wrong. I'm sorry. But I think those other artists besides Chick Corea are Return to Forever. Because from what I can tell, I didn't go and listen to the first Return to Forever album without Chick Corea to to compare. Because it's just too much jazz. It was just too much. But there is a bonus. Like there was a reissue. And on Spotify, this is the way I listen to it with Spotify. The Deluxe Edition. So I I didn't listen to the extra tracks. There are numerous on the bonus disc. It's like a two CD thing. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can find it. It is out there. Um, Really, I don't have much to say about this this album. Um, It's good background dinner jazz. And I mean that in the best way possible. I think one of these songs, it was big for marching bands from what i from what i've read i don't it doesn't sound familiar to me and it became a it became a hippie drug anthem later on it's 500 miles high is the name of the song now i don't really i'm gonna probably piss a lot of people off here i don't really care anything about watching marching bands it's okay i mean it takes a lot of dedication a lot of work and this and that but i still don't care if someone i mean it's if you're a parent watching your kid out there cool i get it but it's just not my thing uh you know 
take it or leave it. It's good. It's bad. It is whatever. But I think 500 Miles High, though, is a a song that maybe bands have used like that in the past. It's okay. Um, you know, I mentioned sometimes the vocals can be good. Sometimes they can be bad. The song Captain Marvel. How can I not be a jerk? I can only take so much. Oh, after a while, shut up and let them play. <laughs> Just hush. Like sometimes, like it's not Yoko Ono esque, like annoying, like like where it's interrupting some of the music. But sometimes I wish, like maybe, uh, maybe Miss Flora Pyram would have laid back a bit. <laughs> so. I just have to ask, is there any connection to the superhero, Captain Marvel? You know, it's about as connected as Henry the the wife with the wives, six wives of Henry the Eighth is to Rick Wakeman. From what I could tell, I don't know. I don't really like Captain Marvel either, so it never was like a superhero that really stood out to me. So I don't I don't know that. If maybe it was, but I didn't see anything that particularly, you know, tied those together. I think they just named it that maybe just for the Maybe the Marvel at something. I don't even think know if it's related to the comic book. Um, I I said I didn't listen to the bonus songs. I did listen to one of them, Matrix. It's pretty long. It's, uh, it's just jazz. If you like dinner jazz, you're probably gonna like this. But like I said, it's gonna be, it needs to be something where you're not sitting there really focused on it because at times with his work on the keys and Flora Purim. Her, her her voice is pretty. Don't get me wrong. But just sometimes it's just too much. It's just he's trying to go on the keys and, and she's trying to do something. And you got, uh, you know, the, the drums going. And it's just a lot at once. And it gets busy at times. Now, I went ahead and, re- like, went ahead and always, when I'm reviewing these albums, I put my stars down. Then I try to go, go on the Internet because the Internet's never wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, right? You know, okay, well, this this album is listed on, what is it, the 1,000 albums to hear before you die. I will give it that. I will give it that. It might be one of the 1,000 albums that you need to hear at least once before you die. Do you need to hear it twice? Probably not. Um, Like, all right. I did rate this high because a lot of times because of my stupidity about jazz, I tend to rate things lower. So I tried to overcompensate on this. The production's great. And like I said, there's only a couple times that really the vocals clashed, in my opinion, with a lot of the music. So I didn't I tried not to let that affect my rating too much. So the production's great. I can I could definitely put this on when I'm studying, just in the background, something I don't have to actively listen to. It's good for that. It's not down like everything is upbeat. So it does have that like nice running, like I like to call it running jazz drum beat, that the actual the percussion, the tempo and stuff like that. It, it does have that. So it's not like down and dreary type jazz. So it's good, but it's not five star good. Like all across the internet has it listed as like five star. If you go to all music and um, Penguin Guide to Jazz Recordings, which you know it's gonna be. If you put it up against other jazz, maybe. It's not five stars. I don't care what anybody says. They're all wrong. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. I'm not going to give it a four. I'm not going to give it a four because the production's great. It does get the production bump. 
so I did give this one a four and a half, but it's not a five-star album. There's definitely other five-star jazz albums that are better than this, but it's not bad. And I think Chick Corea is probably why it's so good. Because I'm looking forward to more of his stuff. I do like his stuff. It's nice. It's fun the way he dances across the keys yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 fine. But uh, yeah, he's really good. I can probably look more listen to more of his stuff and probably leave. <sighs> I'm sorry, Flora. I like you just fine, but probably just leave her out of it. Maybe the next album. I hope they don't have another album together. But if they do, we'll be reviewing it. But yeah, this one I did give it four and a half, so it's it's good, but. It's not the it's not a five star, so don't go on the you know all music or whatever and look at all these reviews and be like, oh, I have to listen to this five star. But it was good, it was okay. But I'm glad we're done with jazz for the week. <laughs> for this week, anyway. Oh my gosh, because we're getting ready to talk about oh, oh. you know the best album of the week, right? I've got the perfect introduction to this album. Well, I'm going to I'm going to like let you take the lead on this one cuz I'm just so returned it like the return to forever felt like it took forever. So, I'm going to like step aside <laughs> and let you take the lead on this album first because this is what maybe your favorite artist? Ray's right up there. Very close. Yeah, so Very close. I like him a lot as well, but he's not my favorite. But yeah, amazing artist, but yeah, probably the best album of the week right here. I'm going to step aside. Yeah. Let you uh well, let you steer the ship. <laughs> well, I just got to say, Jeffrey, my brother, you are older than me. <laughs> Who sings that? <laughs> oh, that's my own original composition. With the help of a couple of, you know, some really talented guys called Elton John and Bernie Taupin. I was about to say, like, uh, I'll give that one about a two. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Boo this <Ouch>. man. Oh. <laughs> I know it's all about the vocals. I don't claim to be a singer. I'm the more more the Bernie Toppin part. I'm the writer. <laughs> anyway. It was accurate though. You are my brother and you are older than me. But wiser. I'll admit it. Uh, that's not necessarily true. But I will admit my version is not as good as the one that you're going to find on the album we're about to review, which is Elton John, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. I think we both knew going in kind of what score we were going to be looking at here, because it's not because we're biased. It's not that. It's just, it's Elton John. He is tremendously, incredibly amazing. That's just truth. It's not bias. It's just truth. No, we can be biased. It's our show. We're right. That's why we're right. <laughs> we could be yeah. biased, but we're, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is objective. He is objectively good at music. You know, and also, looking at the track list, you've got Daniel, which is one of my favored Elton John songs anyway. I'm not going to say it's one of my favorites because they're all my favorites <laughs> but it's one of my favored ones and crocodile rock yep. the inclusion of those two fantastic songs just ensures that this is gonna get a high star rating there's no question about it there's no way around it i am gonna be fair but we know it's gonna get a high score it's it's basically a question of four four and a half or five stars 
I'm just going to throw that out there. I can't help it. Just how it is. But, you know, I mentioned the two songs that everybody knows. The only other one on the album that I knew going in was Have Mercy on the Criminal. And I just knew that one is a live track. So, I truly didn't know about the rest of the album. I just assumed it would be good because, you know, Elton John, Bernie Taupin. But I didn't really know. I wasn't disappointed to say the least. Uh, I feel like I'm giving everything away right here at the beginning of the review, but come on, what'd you expect? Teacher, I Need You. Uh, I think that was the second track. Oh my god, that song was great. It's super catchy. I wrote in my notes, that's gonna be one I come back to, and honestly, I already have. I have listened to parts of this album several times already, and that one I have come back to several times. Elderberry Wine was also really good, I thought. I couldn't help dancing to that one. I liked the sitar in Blues for Baby and Me. It was unexpected, and it wasn't so much that it sounded good, per se, but it was interesting. That wasn't one of my favorite songs on that album, but it wasn't bad. And that was interesting. Oh, and did you catch <laughs> Midnight Creeper? He referenced Tina Turner. Timely. We just reviewed her night. Well, a lot of this <laughs> album, he he is referencing current uh, popular artists. Because there's a song yeah. you haven't gotten to that, if you don't know, I'll throw out who he's talking about. It's uh, I'm Gonna Be a Teenage okay. Idol. Do you know who he's talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw that. Mark Bowling. Mark Bowling, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to have a T-Rex album coming up within the next few weeks as well. So, it's all very timely. I also read that Midnight Creeper was supposed to have, like, a Rolling Stones vibe to it. I didn't really pick up on that. I read that after the fact, but I can hear it. But that one was another really catchy song. Album version of Have Mercy on the Criminal. Also good. Very bluesy, emotional and soulful and kind of intense, but in a good way. Um, I loved the staccato nature of that one. It just stops and then it starts back after a quick pause. I love that effect that artists do sometimes. So I like that. I am going to bring it back to earth just a little bit after all of that adulation. It's not all great. I didn't care for Texan Love Song. I get what they were going for. It's sort of ironic, sort of tongue-in-cheek, almost parody of Texas cowboy culture. And it was kind of funny in a dark and kind of depressing way because of how accurate it was. Sorry if that pisses you off, but it's true. I appreciated the content. I just didn't enjoy the sound of it all that much. I don't think it was on par with all the others I've already mentioned. No. It was intentionally made to sound Texan, so I guess it's not horrible because they accomplished what they were going for, but the accent, we've talked about it so many times, it was intentionally faked and exaggerated, and I know that that was on purpose, but it's still like nails on a chalkboard to me, so didn't care for that one, but the rest of the album... I thought was pretty fantastic. Not Captain Fantastic. That comes later. But pretty great. 
and that's pretty much all I have to say other than my star rating. I'm sure you can guess what that is, but I'm not going to say it yet. I'm going to let you talk about the album first. Well, this is not a five-star album. I'm going to throw it out there. That's uh, coming up pretty soon. That's uh, later this year. But uh, we don't know that. But I know this uh, his big album coming up later this year. So that's that's where I'm thinking the five star is going to come from. This is a, a really good album. I'm not going to, like, I throw one out there first. It's not a five star. Daniel's good. Teacher I Need You is good. I thought Elderberry Wine was excellent. I was already familiar with that. Just uh, revisited it, I guess, because I had already heard it before. It's just Elton John has so many good songs. Sometimes you don't so get many. them all. <laughs> um, Texan Love Song is terrible. I know what they're going for, but it brought the whole album down for me. It it might have been a five, but that's on there, and I don't really like High Flying Bird that much. It's okay. High Flying Bird was better than Texan Love Song. But I feel like High Flying Bird and Texan Love Song bring it down a bit to where it's not a five-star album. It's more four and a half, but still full of good songs. It's going to be a four, four and a half, or five. I haven't had Elvin, El, Elvin, Elvin John, his brother, no, Elton John hasn't <laughs> hasn't released what well, we haven't had one yet that's been four it's been four or above. We had what uh Honky Chateau. Well we didn't, we get didn't to really, talk about we that didn't one. Talk, that was seventy two. We didn't talk about it, but I, I think that's uh the album before this and it's equally good but in a different way. He's this is this album get is back, more honky cat. Well this album is more um the poppy. He's going more toward that that sound. Oh, he, I guess he and Bernie Taupin are, are trying to go toward more toward that for hits. Ah, for the better. <laughs> Call him a sellout. I think people actually did have problems at times. And a, lot of, a lot of times people get mad because this is... Uh, it's more an homage, but he is being tongue-in-cheek at times. So they, they don't like the fact they're like, it can't be the uh, four-and-a-half-store album because... You know, da-da-da, this and that, but uh, it is. Because he's so woke and liberal. Yeah, so. I think um, Crocodile Rock also was supposed to be like Bobby V, like 50s-style rock, and, and then um, High Flying Bird was supposed to be like Van Morrison, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's... That's probably why you didn't like probably it. Probably <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, you know, for me, yeah, I, uh, I did. I liked it tremendously, but I'm anxious... For Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But uh, yeah, for me, I gave it four and a half. The production's great. This is Elton John. I mean, he's he can do very little wrong. So, but yeah, yeah I gave it four and a half. What did you give it? Well, first, I forgot to mention the album title came from an interaction he had with Groucho Marx at a party that they were at. Um, that was just a joke between the two of them. Don't shoot me, I'm just the guitar... Or, I always want to say, just the guitar player. Don't shoot me, I'm only the piano player. Now, second, you're wrong. It is a five-star album. For me, <laughs> I truly enjoyed it. Except for that one, eh, song. I didn't mind High Flying Bird. So, for me, it was, you know, nine hits and one that was so-so. So, I have to give it the highest rating available. It was a great album. I recommend it to everybody. I can't wait for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But 
in the meantime, this was yet another five-star album from Elton John for me. Can't be nine nine hits and one bad one and still be perfect five stars. It's got one bad one, you have to bring it down a bit. We only go in half stars, <laughs> and it is better than four and a half. It would be like 4.9, okay? I should have given it a four. <laughs> no. I should have. That would have been a lie. I should have given it a four. <laughs> it deserves a four and a half. But because uh, five. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road might be a five, but uh, this one's not for me. But <laughs> we'll see. It's all right. You can be wrong. Hey, you can be biased. <laughs> <laughs> you see could, she said at the start <laughs> she said at the start she was biased about Elton John you see it coming through she gave everybody else actually Rick Wakeman I said it's Rick Wakeman a three I said it's not biased <laughs> Rick Wakeman a three but everybody else, like like Elton's gonna get a five automatically because it's Elton John <laughs> no he didn't automatically get a five <laughs> no he got a five after I listened to it but I think this was other than it being so jazz heavy, I'd say probably this is one of our stronger weeks so far. Uh, maybe a bit stronger than last week. I don't know. Probably maybe right on par. I would I would say we haven't really had anything that's just been astoundingly bad. Even when we've had artists that we in the past may have disappointed us so far, like that being like Johnny Cash and Yoko Ono and artists like that. So far, it's been a pretty smooth ride. Next week's not going to be like that. I can tell you right now. I'm going to go ahead and be Debbie Downer <laughs> because my solo album next week is from Judy Collins. We've already talked about Judy Collins. I do remember, like I can't remember Little Feet, but I remember Judy Collins. But next week, I'm going to be reviewing Judy Collins, True Stories and Other Dreams. You're going to be reviewing an artist I'm not familiar with at all. That's Ellen McElwain, and that's We, Are, we the People. Is she just uh, talking about the Constitution? I have no idea yet. So. <laughs> I'm hoping it's like Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, that might be pretty good. That's what I'm yeah, hoping for. So hopefully, I doubt it, but we'll see. Hopefully it's not jazz, but we'll see. And then we will both be talking about Bob Seger back in 72. I think next week is our We Don't Have Days for the Albums. So anything we're talking about next week is just going to be January of 73. But it's the last week of January rolling into February. So excited for all the stuff coming up too. But like I said, we're going to be talking about Bob Seger back in 72. Love Bob Seger. Come on. I don't know that I know. I don't think I've ever listened to this album back in 72. Most of my Bob Seger stuff is probably going to be, I, I listen to Greatest Hits. And then I think there's yeah. one other album maybe that I've listened to, but I don't I don't know. But Bob Seger's always been someone that I enjoy putting on. <laughs> Old time rock and roll, come on. But among other things, you know. But uh, excited for that one. I'm also interested because we have Al Cooper, Naked Songs. Now Al Cooper's from I believe Blood, Sweat and Tears. And other, I can't remember other projects as well. But I think that's his. This is going to be his first solo album away from Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I may be wrong on that. You can let me know. <laughs> we have our Instagram, Corn Chronicles. Like, tell they say Jeff. Is I do idiot. think I reviewed. I think I reviewed one of his in either seventy or seventy-one, and I think I liked it. So yeah, we'll find out. So I think this is the first one that both of us will have 
have listened to. It's the first Al Cooper that I know because I don't recall anything he's done solo, but I do remember seeing that name attached to things. And then we also were going to be talking about the band Free, Heartbreaker. We've already reviewed one, maybe two albums from Free. I'm not sure about that. I think one, but I already, I'm already familiar with the band Free. It's going to be pretty good. It's rock. It's going to be 70s rock. I don't know that anything is going to stand out, but I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it because I do know the song Heartbreaker. Not the uh, Led Zeppelin song Heartbreaker <laughs> either. But uh, it's going to be different. What about that. Pat Benatar? Yeah, so maybe that either. Or, you know, so uh, maybe it is that one. I don't know. And then finally, the both of us are going to be talking about Joe Simon, the power of Joe Simon. Don't know Joe Simon. Maybe he's going to be a Motown. Maybe he's a Motown artist or something like that. I think. Maybe he's done something with, uh, I don't want to say it's Temptations, but something Motown. I think he's with one of the, with one of the groups. I may be totally off on that, but I'm gonna guess country folk. I'm not sure, so that one's gonna be a surprise as well. But I guess I don't really have much more to add this week. But I'm looking forward to what's coming up this week. I'm looking forward to what's coming up here in the near future. But we're not gonna talk about that yet because that's still a little ways off. But I have cheated a little bit and looked a little bit ahead. <laughs> so we'll just see uh we'll just leave it at that i did cheat a little bit and look ahead though but well sounds sounds about right yeah cheat. well you know <laughs> gotta cheat to get ahead if you're if you're not first you're last so or so the uh, i've heard before so no <laughs> Well, before we close, I do want to give a little update. I got my pot liquor album, and yeah, it's just as good as I expected it to be. So, go back. If you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, go back and listen to it, and then go try to find whatever you can of pot liquor, because they're a good band. And that's liquor like alcohol, not liquor like somebody who is licking something. And... I will go ahead and throw out and mention we do have another segment. God, another segment coming to the podcast? It's too much music, guys. <laughs> There's too many albums. There's too many albums. We are going to be bringing someone else onto the show. I mean, we'll probably be having other people throughout the year as well. We don't know that yet, but uh, I'm working on that. But we will probably have, but we will have another recurring segment coming up. Shopping this name to everyone. Tell me what you think. Luke loves listening. Isn't that what you told me? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're going with the, uh, the the three alliteration like we have been doing. I don't was that alliteration? I don't know. Yeah. It's been a, it's alliteration. It's been a while since I've had my uh, high school and college English courses, so I don't I don't know all that business. I don't talk that right. So. Amy's always alliterating. Amy's always an asshole. So. Oh. Barely missing that. <laughs> Kids, PG, non-explicit writing. <laughs> Can't throw any more in. Awful. Jeff's just jamming. <laughs> Coming up next week, Judy Collins, everyone. Get ready to rock. So, <laughs> but I guess that's all I have this week. Um, hopefully, we won't have any more deaths to talk about next week. <laughs> won't have to bring the show down with any of that. And I hope everyone out there remains safe as well. 
and listens to all this great music. And do you have anything to add as well? No, that's all I had. Be sure to listen to the pot liquor if you haven't yet. Even though it's hard to get to, it's good. What you can find. So, but, you know, and all these albums we talked about this week and try to listen ahead, beat us to it. Maybe you can release a podcast, like I said last week. Maybe you can keep us from listening to some of this jazz. If you want to be a part of the podcast and be our jazz correspondent, let me know at Chord Chronicles on Instagram. <laughs> we still have to listen to it because, like I said, I'm going to listen to all of it. But I'm going to close this week with just I hope everyone has a nice, happy, healthy, safe week. Listen to all these great musics because all these great musics. Listen to me. All this great music because <laughs> you can tell I'm exhausted. It's been a long week. The music doesn't stop. It keeps going and going and going and going. And evidently, so do we. Have a good week, guys. <laughs>